do come in. You are most graciously welcome to Tens on Tens, a girl talk comedy podcast in which two tens make top ten lists about whatever they choose and shoot the shit, as it were. So procure the libation of your choice and, pardon my candor, sit down, shut up, and listen. Here are your hosts, the debutantes of debauchery, the queens of crass, the mistresses of muckrockery, Emma and Lo. Alrighty, hi Tens. <laughs> hi Tens. Hello. So, um, did you watch the Met Gala? Um, I feel like I feel as though I did without actually watching it because of Instagram. But no, I did not see the live feed. Did you? Gotcha. Um, yes, I did. And I guess for for you guys, uh, I don't know how much later this is, but for us, the Met Gala was maybe about a, like three or four weeks ago. Um, and it's still been on my mind ever since. But yeah, I'm a religious Met Gala watcher. I love it. It's my it's my uh, Super Bowl. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Big time. The Super Bowl of fashion. Um, <laughs> Super Bowl of fashion. Yeah. And the stuff people wear is like so off the wall. I love when people actually get an opportunity to wear like haute couture because like I hate I hate a bitch that's like, I hate high fashion. Like, where would you even wear that? And I'm like, that's not the point, Jeremiah. Okay? It's art, bitch. Yeah, Jeremiah, what the fuck? Also, I can't your mic sounds really strange to me for some reason. I don't oh, know if it fuck. sounds weird to you. Is it like... It might be too it, close to you. Does that sound better? Does that sound better? Yeah, that does sound better. Okay. But does that sound okay to your on your end? Honestly, are my headphones even plugged in? I can't even hear myself. <laughs> Yeah. Hold up, hold up. Also, the aesthetic of this episode is much different. Oh, um, yeah, I've got my lights on. This sounds so much better. I spent the entire episode yesterday without my headphones plugged in, just looking like an asshole. I thought it was working. <laughs> she's, she's learning, you know? It's fine. Anyway, um, I, I just brought up the Met Gala because I thought it was a fun thing to talk about because today's topic is going to be you know, we love our girly girl topics here, and it's obviously you can't get girlier than fashion. So we're going to be talking about weird fashion trends, which there are so many of them. Um, and the mm. Met Gala is a really good place to, like, look for it. Like, if you were listening to last week's episode, we touched on it lightly because uh, Nicki Minaj and Kylie Jenner both wore beautiful gowns with baseball caps. And obviously mm. that's meant to, like, refer to Americana, but, like, mm, it but why? Quite, it didn't <laughs> quite work. Um, yeah, so I, I always like to see like what's gonna come up next, you know. And I always, I always like anticipate the weirdest shit. Like the weirder it is, the more likely it's gonna come back. Like that's mm -hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't consider myself like a trendsetter. You know, I'm I'm too poor for what? that. <laughs> right? No. Yeah, I guess you do. Have maybe to be like rich. Really <laughs> you you do. Um, so I think I would be like. Like an early adopter mm. with a Ooh. budget. Oh. First wave. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought we would go ahead and just jump into this one because it would be like, I feel like we might be here a while. This might be a little bit of a long one. Maybe it'll be a part two. Maybe we'll squeeze it into one. Who knows? Sometimes Who you knows? guys get a treat. It's like a 45 minute episode and sometimes it's like an hour and a half. So yeah. Whatever. It's fine. Okay. So since you started us off last time, I believe I should start us off. By all means. And this one's going to be a total banger. Just tell me if you remember these. But I'm going to be talking about popcorn tops. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about? This is the one we overlapped yeah. on. 
this is the one okay yeah we actually overlapped on two but i think she made us like change one each um thank you megan so popcorn tops if you are not familiar they also what what else are they they were called they're like shrinky tops or like um i don't know bubble tops i think is what they're also called Mm -hmm. essentially it was a gimmick it wasn't necessarily that it was like super cute it was that it was inventive and new that people liked them the idea is that you would have a shirt that kind of fit most body types because it would adjust to you because you would stretch it out and and it could shrink back to size um but it would leave these like totally gross little bubble popcorn like details all over your body and they weren't cute and you could just find them in every Joann's fabrics for 50 cents for like, I don't know, 10 years after the fact. And I unfortunately believe that they will be coming back. They will be coming back um, yeah. because they've already been seen at London Fashion Week in the past like five years. <laughs> oh, Which, no. Right. I want to say that Stella McCartney featured them maybe last year. Mara Hoffman, if you guys know any of those designers. Um, but yeah. I don't want this to happen, guys. Can we stop it at all costs? Because they look cheap. Okay. Yeah. That's all yeah, that's do. all that they bring to the table. But Vogue advises you if you must wear them that you should avoid pairing it with anything voluminous or bold. Stick to classic <laughs> neutrals like slacks or jeans. So there's your fashion advice on how to style popcorn tops if you must know. Yeah. So like don't, but if you have to. But if you have to you know but if you have yeah. to really quickly about popcorn shirts if you have tryptophobia yeah. oh those shirts no. really get you because they leave the little like circles oof no thank you and none of them have necks have you noticed that oh, they're yeah, just like they, loose they've all got that like boat neck thing <laughs> it's, got, it's supposed to stretch over you i guess yeah i don't very know dress barn. <laughs> very dress barn we love giving dress barn oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so number 10 for me are poodle skirts. Oh, what the yeah, fuck was okay. that? I don't understand. So for those of you that don't know, poodle skirts are very, very popular in, in, in the 1950s. Um, it was a solid colored skirt and it had an applique of a poodle. Um, but you could have like alternative styles if you want, which I actually didn't know. But they used to put like hot rod cars on there, martini glasses, oh, yeah. flamingos, cats, horses, all sorts of things. But, I mean, pretty much all of us in 2022 have probably just seen the poodle. But these became popular in 1947 among teenage girls. And I actually didn't know why they they were popular, like who started this. But apparently this lady named Julie Lynn Charlotte, who um, she basically wanted to create a holiday skirt, but she was bad at sewing. And she described herself as being broke, frumpy, and unable to sew very well, which same girl. (laughs) um so she just went to her sewing machine and made a super simple skirt pattern and then just stamped stamped poodle on there super weird um but this isn't like that weird right so i put it at number 10 Mm because like "Eh, it's not that weird like they're actually pretty cute but i do think it's bizarre that you can wear one item like one fashion item to a party and everybody instantly knows that you're from the 50s. And you really can't say that about any other piece of fashion in history. In my opinion, like a lot of them bleed into other decades, right? Or like maybe they're like, it's it's ambiguous where it comes from. But the poodle skirt is such a 50s staple that it's just, it's obvious. It's the easiest costume ever. You're totally yeah. right. And you you know what's funny about them is I thought that like they were popular, don't get me wrong, but I thought everybody was wearing these things. 
Um, but it turns out it was just like a, like a special occasion outfit. Like it wasn't something yeah. you'd wear to like the the soda hop or whatever the right. sock hop. You wear it to like bars yeah dances whatever. and like fancy Christmas parties and things like that. So the people weren't just really on yeah. the street with them like they'd have you believe. But it's just it's so interesting. I mean, can you imagine going prom dress shopping and be like, I want a poodle skirt? Like that's so weird. Yes, I could because I was the weird, quirky, twee bitch in high school. <laughs> I was in my Zoe De Chanel era. I I think I wore my stepmom made my my prom dress. She and I made my prom dress my senior year, and it was like kind of Cinderella. Oh. It had the boat neck with the lace sleeves, but it also had a big ass bow right above the ass. So Ooh. I don't poodle skirt not far out from that. Yeah, I don't have any <laughs> pictures of it. Oh no, <laughs> I would love to see that. I think okay. I'm to see that. I think I, I might have one. Me and my dopey looking uh, high school boyfriend. Uh, anyway, we were such nerds in high school. My friends and I decided we were all gonna Disney bound. Which, if you don't know what that means, is like when you dress up like a Disney character. Not like I hate it. I had my Disney phase. Um, we don't need to talk about it more than that. No, just like Disney no. characters. So that's super awful. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of organized my list by like least weirdest to weirdest so popcorn shirts yeah. were at the very bottom for me um but in ninth place i have uh sweatbands specifically i'm talking about the sweatbands we wore around our wrists in the mid-2000s <laughs> for what what <laughs> the fuck was that what the yeah. fuck was that so yeah. i wrote a little blurb on it and i'm gonna read it to you because i did a lot of research okay so uh we have the 1980s really to thank for athleisure in general so think of them as like you know the grandparents to our lululemon bitches it was the leg warmers right that kind of vibe um but that awkward stage in between like in the 2000s up to where we are now all that we really had were the fucking armbands and (laughs) jesus christ um so they were actually originally worn by uh tennis players in the 1930s so when british tennis player fred perry wrapped gauze around each wrist to keep his hands from dripping sweat onto his racket he won three uh tournaments at wimbledon like three consecutive ones just because he did that and so people were like "Hmm, maybe maybe this is like a thing we should all look into um so it's very useful for tennis players even though it's kind of gross because it was like gauze like sweat soaked gauze ew yeah um, and then in the seventies, actually, uh, guitarists started using them to keep their hands from getting sweat all over the guitar. So like Jimi Hendrix was somebody who did this a lot and that became like, cool. There was like a cool factor to it. So like musicians would do it. And so it became kind of like punk. And then we come back to like our girl, Avril Lavigne, who, you know, we were talking about her in our pop episode, but she was also a fashion icon. We can't overlooked that because everybody everybody was wearing ties in like 2002 2003 but she was also wearing those sweatpants like on her arms and i think it was like an homage to hendrix like the punk scene kind of um and you know if you don't listen to if you're if too too young to remember her she was essentially like the billy eilish of her day okay she's a little edge mm-hmm. edgy trendsetter um and then they kind of died out but then i i believe in 2004 that's when the um graphic novel scott pilgrim was written and i was obsessed with it so there was a little bit of a resurgence of people wearing them in 2012 when that movie premiered but after that they just died off i can see them coming back but it's not like we were all out there playing guitar playing tennis getting sweaty as fuck we just were like right. they're cute little bracelets yeah and you could buy them yeah. on topic with whatever you wanted on them oh my gosh you just you unlocked four memories for me the, yeah, for dude. some reason, the first person I thought of when you said that was Nelly. Like, why oh, is yeah. he the first person mm-hmm. that came to my mind? 
because he's, uh, you know, flying first class next to Vanna White. He's want to get sweat on her or yeah. whatever. <laughs> well, and my thing is, too, like my hands are, are incredibly sweaty. There is nothing that a little piece of fabric on my wrist is going to do to stop my palms from sweating. Like, that's the sweaty this part. It's not my forearm. Yeah. Yes, huh. that's true. I imagine that, like, you know, professional athletes might just be sweating everywhere, but maybe they, like, right. get Botox in their hands. That might help. Yeah, maybe. There you go. And that's how you win Wimbledon, baby. <laughs> and that's how you win Wimbledon. Three times in a row, just because he had gauze on his wrist. Yeah, Can that's impressive. Fashion is important. And it, I don't want to hear a single bitch that's like, what? it doesn't even really matter. You want to tell that to our boyfriend, Perry? Hmm? Yeah, hmm? I didn't think so. Mr. Perry would like to hear your opinions. Well, that's really funny, actually, because guess what my number nine is? Oh, my God, what? Leg warmers. Leg warmers. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Perfect segue. Oh, my God. Well, it's, just, it's super weird. I mean, similar vein. I mean, you probably covered a lot of the, of the similar thoughts that went through my mind about wearing, like, a piece of fabric on a certain part of your body like that. But when have you ever sat anywhere and said, wow, I'm really cold, but only in my ankle area? Like, only. That's it. Hmm. Everything else feels good. Yeah, I've good. never said that. And my favorite never thing is... In the 80s, they pair them with, like, these super high-cut, like, super crotchet, like, crotch what – what am I calling it? Like, two, floss for your crotch, basically. And it's literally like yeah, a bathing cross suit. Cross-watch, if you will. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's a bathing suit with leg warmers, and it makes no fucking sense to me. But this is a very questionable trend. And like the sweatband or the wristband, it originated as athletic wear. So the dancers used to wear them and pull them up over their thighs when they were warming up and then would push them down as they got warmer. That makes sense to me. What doesn't yeah. make sense is looking at that as like a fashion trend and, and wearing it with like jeans, like over jeans, matching your scrunchie to them, um, matching your wristbands and your sweatpants to them. Like that's kind of weird. I'm not feeling Wait, that. Did people wore them over jeans? I've never seen yeah. that. Yeah. Well, okay. I did weirdos. some Googling. Yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> that is strange. What when was that like late 80s or like what? When did those go out of style? That I mean, honestly, leg warmers have been around for a super long time. And I think I think in the 80s was when the jeans thing was popular. Um, uh, but even in the 90s, it, it kind of bled through into that. And they we've even got to the point where we have pet leg warmers. I mean, you know, their little leggies get cold sometimes, I imagine. Do they? Speaking of, my dog's right? licking himself. Hold on. Basil, stop. We love Ew, we love he needs him. some foot warmers, so he stops doing that. So, oh, baby, sweet angel. You know, yeah. I can get behind leg warmers because I've got American Girl cankles, you know? <laughs> I think they'd look cute on me. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah love, maybe, you, maybe everybody can get some targeted sweating in that area going <laughs> that'd be amazing thank you so much thank you okay number eight for me you're gonna you're gonna geek because i know that you you were gonna be so mad you didn't think about this i'm talking about the anastasia beverly hills dip brow era we are talking oh. about the block brow oh my gosh bring it back tell me more Oh my God. Okay. So I actually did not realize how insanely this history went. Okay. It, it goes back. Um, but ABH founder is obviously a woman named Anastasia. I believe her last name is pronounced Sare. Um, but she immigrated to the United States in uh, 1989 and she became uh, an esthetician because it was a job that you could have as a non-English speaker where you didn't really have to talk to people very often. So she would do people's makeup, yada, yada, go about her day. 
Um, but she noticed that there was like a gap in the market because nobody really paid attention to eyebrows in like the eighties, nineties, right? They were kind of an afterthought. So she was the first person to launch this one of a kind product called dip brow, um, in 2000, in the, I believe in the year 2000. So she single-handedly like established this, this brand, like this market, this brow Mm -hmm. market. Um, so she said that doing brows had the biggest effect on how a face looked without making it obvious that you changed something. So it really kind of made a big uh, difference. Yeah. Um, and she the key word, like keyword without key, making it obvious, yes. without making it obvious people. <laughs> she actually was really into math and she incorporated the concept of the golden ratio into how she went about doing the brows. Yeah. And so it was really like, specific her application technique which if you don't know there is like a you can see there's like a little I guess a filter on Instagram that shows you where you should put your brows but you know you line the the first part up with your nostril and then the I believe the arch should go over your iris and then you shouldn't have your tip go past where your eye is at the end so she would do this and that made a huge difference on people's faces and it caught the eye of Oprah who Oprah was like will you be my brow bitch forever and she's like absolutely I will 100% because once you got that Oprah check you're set for life you know what I mean that's right um and so after she did Oprah even more so than that the Kardashians were like hey we need your help here because here's the thing eyebrows while not regarded very importantly in in white people spaces Mm -hmm. in uh other like middle eastern and in uh south asian communities they were essential obviously like threading was a big thing so the kardashians being armenian were actually very into brows so they hired her to do their brows um so the dip brow was originally designed to try and like help fill in sparse areas with like brush-like strokes however most people i think lacked the technique and they just went to fucking town um which is, mm, we don't love that. There was also in, I believe, 2014, there was this Vine personality, this girl named Peaches Monroe, who famously came up with the eyebrows on bleak <laughs> thing, um, which created this hashtag and everybody would post their dip brow eyebrows in his hashtag. So hashtag eyebrows on fleek became a thing and thus it turned into the name the Instabrow. So the Instabrow just blew up. It was fucking everywhere um, and you just could not get away from it. In fact, I think Cara Delevingne was another person. So she's a she's that cringeworthy now model yeah. <laughs> who had these big eyebrows. So since she was like so popular, people are starting to notice eyebrows as a defining feature because between her and like the Kardashians, it was everywhere. And like fashion historians have this term called a hinge year, where uh, each in within a decade, there's always a year in that decade where the style is solidified and it is determined like that is what the iconography of the of the decades going to be and they often think it's 2016 and that was the year Cara Delevingne was on like fucking everything so Mm -hmm. like she was on a bunch of magazine covers so eyebrows were like the thing um so it became like the huge focus of the face but yeah I mean it just got so out of hand because like I said (laughs) everyone lacked the practice of either Anastasia or these communities that have been doing brows for decades and eons and so they just like went to fucking town and I think with every month they got bigger and bigger and we just normalized it and thicker and thicker and we were like that's normal that's fine until it got so out of hand i think in like 2018 they started to go down when we started like regain our sanity but yeah (laughs) it i i think it's insane because 
Bigger brows are actually something that make you are supposed to make you look younger, whereas sparse brows make you look thinner, which is why Oprah hired her in the first place. But we made them so insane that they made us look like fucking clowns. What? Yeah. And we were like, I am the peak of, of hotness. Yeah. I, I'll I'll post How? one of my old dip brow pictures for you guys on the Instagram so you can laugh at me. Oh my gosh, please if you do. Want. Please do. And then my favorite is like when people, which I'm on camera right now showing showing Emma, but when people would do their like where it's supposed to start, which I know my brows are all mm-hmm. fucked up. They don't start where they're supposed to, but they would do like a solid line at the start. Mm-hmm. And so there was truly yep. no transition from skin to hair. It was just like, it was like it was, a gate. Yeah. <laughs> it was yep. horrible. I tried so hard to do the gradient. That is so difficult to it's do. Hard. Eyebrows and are hard. I also... Yes, they are. And especially I'm blonde, so I don't have eyebrows to begin with. So it's not like I knew what shape they were supposed to be. So I was going crazy. And they were different color, different shape, like every day. My graduation pics, I have blonde ass hair and orange eyebrows. (laughs) Oh, no. For what? Because someone's like, this is the blonde color. And I was like, oh, perfect. And I'm like, forgetting I'm an ashy blonde and not like a golden blonde. And I look like an insane person. It's Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to see those pictures. Mm, mm-mm. Anyway, you've said it now. That's it's all I got. The universe now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good one. I wouldn't even think about eyebrows as a fashion trend, but it's true. It's like it's crazy it totally noticing was. the change. And I yes. grew up like, well, we're the same age, but like, do you remember when having super thin, overplucked eyebrows was really popular? Oh, mine yeah, will never that's, recover. That's coming back too. Yeah. Oh god. Mine, mine will never recover. Yeah. This was like the one time I was thankful for having blonde brows because I didn't pluck them because they were already non-existent. I was like, true. Mm-hmm. You lucky bitch. Also, I went crazy and yeah. mine will never be the same. Huh. I've also always been a bang bitch, so like I could hide my brows a lot. But yeah. That Hillary Duff haircut. <laughs> exactly. 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 <coughs> Sorry, cough break. <clears throat> okay. So my number eight, and everyone listening and probably you also are gonna get mad at me for this one. Oh my god. But Uggs. Yeah. Uggs. I get it. It's literally in the fucking name. Uggs. They're ugly. Okay. These are just modern day leg warmers. So we've all we've done is just transform (laughs) where the sweat is. That's it. So they're incredibly expensive, first of all. Second off, they're ovens for the feet. They are literally lined with like wool. Like they are so hot. And as someone who will proudly admit, my feet sweat even in flip-flops. So the idea oh, of an girl. Ugg is my worst nightmare. Like, my worst nightmare. R.I.P. Yeah. So I didn't know this, but the origin of these boots, so the sheepskin-lined boots, it actually dates back to 1960s Australia, which I knew Uggs was an Australian ban- uh, yeah. band <laughs> company. <laughs> but I didn't know it was back in the 1960s. But surfers used to wear these to keep their feet warm after surfing all day, which, see, functionality. That makes sense to me. But yeah. somehow they made their way over to America. Um, yay. And they started making all sorts of variations, like the thigh-high Ugg, which if, if you haven't seen that, it's the most uncomfortable looking thing in the world. <laughs> oh, my God. I never it's saw really this. Not- Please take Jesus. a quick moment to Google it. If you have your phone, you're okay. going to laugh out loud. I'm going to. Um, thigh high sweat. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. Gonna... Like, And people are wearing thigh jeans high. under them. I feel like my jean would be a different color from the sweat. Wait, these are so insane looking. I remember wearing the like calf high ones and 
thinking I was the epitome of fashion. But once again, my American girl cankles were like, we're not, we're not going to go all the way up. You're going to have a little scrunch <laughs> action going on here. And I was like, and I was like, I accept it to be fashionable. Yeah. That's the thing, kids and teens, if you're listening, you can be trendy, but only if it looks good on you. Okay. That's don't right. try to squeeze your little, your little patootie into something that don't look good on you. Okay. That's right. That's what's going to make you like age poorly. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. Learn and I me. think the weird thing about Uggs in like just it's got like a cult following they have never once mm-hmm. gone out of style since their release never once have people like stopped wearing them celebrities are seen in them constantly and I now know. we have we have the trend called the mini ug which is a, an ug without the actual like foot part the the um, ankle part mm-hmm. and so celebrities are wearing those and being seen by paparazzi out doing their errands with them so they're gonna continue to be popular and i think that's the most bizarre thing of all to take literally a lump of a shoe and it never goes out of style like that's wild it's you know what's crazy about it is here's a here's a weird thing but i think shoes that are large are very flattering on most body types and this is so strange to me but i'm like pretty bottom heavy right so i've got a big booty a big hips um shoes like platforms and or like any kind of thick shoe always kind of balances me out so i had the thigh or sorry the the mid calf uggs and i had the ankle uggs and the ankle uggs actually look super duper cute on me because they balanced me out a little bit and i really oh. enjoyed that and I, I have been thinking of purchasing them again well, um so i'm a, you know. a big ug person i i yeah. believe in uggs a lot of people are a lot of people are and maybe i'm just bitter because i wear a size 11 shoe and they've never looked cute on me and I also sweat too much to wear them. Maybe maybe this is just a bitter number. I don't know. You know, and that's okay. I will say <laughs> that people did like to 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 mock Uggs for a long time. Yeah. Not, they they were they were vitriolic towards Uggs and Starbucks, like any other thing that girls like. Fuck yep. you. <laughs> yep. To those people. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just think it's interesting, like no matter how much hate they get, they are they're they're just like a fat, it's going to be iconic, like forever. I feel like I can't imagine them going out of style. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, they're definitely like something that em- is emblematic of the era, which is kind mm-hmm. of similar to this, this next one that I have. And it's Ooh. funny because all of these trends are that we we're talking about so far are from like the 2000s, 2010s. And in like 30 years, everyone's going to be wearing them again. Watch it fucking happen. Um, yeah. But I'm talking about shutter shades. Or the Kanye West shades, even, oh my if gosh. you are not familiar. Yes. Okay. Do you remember these? I unfortunately um, do. I, <laughs> unfortunately, because who the fuck did not have a pair of these? I would love to know. Because it, it's every single one of you bitches, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's why they were so fucking popular. They appealed to the masses. Um, so this one actually has an interesting history, too. Uh, in 2008, the recession obviously caused a big uh, boom in quickly manufactured uh, cheap goods. So that's where we get the boom of the fast fashion industry, H&M Forever 21, yada, yada, yada. Um, These glasses were manufactured in bulk around that time. And they were also amplified in popularity by social media because as we know, artist Kanye West wore them in his music video for Stronger, which sampled uh, Daft Punk. Uh, And this music video was really cool because it was like kind of futuristic and so the shutter shades kind of gave that impression of like futurism that was, you know, on a budget. You could easily kind of pull that off. So that's where that kind of came from. But instead of people wearing them like in 
futuristic utopias or dystopias they were most seen like in frat basements and on playgrounds like that was the two very popular places that you would find them um which was fantastic but um they've actually been around for much longer than you would think so i thought they were they like were just like kanye west invented them because he is a fashion girly he loves fashion and he will invent crazy shit like this um but they actually used to be called uh, venetian blinders which just makes sense because they look like Venetian blinds, tea. And they were invented in 1952 as beachwear. Whoa. So the idea behind them was that they were supposed to be like blocking you from the sun because of the Venetian blind style. But obviously they didn't fucking do that. So they died out of like out of fashion pretty quickly. And originally they were in that like 50s kind of cat eye look, which is it's pretty cool. If you go look up the Venetian blinder cl- glasses, they look really great. Um so, yeah. And then in the 80s, they were rebranded as party glasses, which is exactly what they are. And they were worn primarily by pro wrestler Macho Man Randy Savage, who wore them in, like, every single one of his promo, like, pictures. And so mm-hmm. they kind of became, like, cheap and associated with that until Kanye came around later. Um, and what's funny is I always thought since they didn't work as, like, actual sunglasses that they had no, like purpose like they didn't serve any purpose but people in the 80s found out that when you wore them inside like dark rooms like a club that they helped you see other people without letting other people see you but also still letting you see in dark areas because if you wear sunglasses in the club you're not going to see shit you're going to bump into the wall but if you've got these like shutter shades on it kind of gives you that cool guy vibe that like anonymity vibe while still being able to see so it got really popular Mm -hmm. in like the rap community and it gave off that like cool guy vibe until you know the swag era died out in roughly like 2010s but yeah that's how they they rose to fame and i thought that was fascinating yeah. i had no idea they actually that. served a legit pur- purpose right no me neither me neither yeah. when and where did you get your shutter sh- sh- shutter shapes that's hard to say <laughs> oh girl i got a pair from hot topic and i want to say like 2009 hell yeah yeah we love yeah. to see it i think i got i think i got a pair in my sorority which is mm-hmm. a little late to the game but a little late to the game, but we love to see that. You know, it's funny because sorority girls would wear them, but you'd also have like seen kids wearing them. They legitimately yeah. <laughs> appealed to every single demographic. Mm-hmm. It was, and I don't know many things that do that now. Maybe like Converse shoes are the only other one I can think yeah, of. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. They also make thigh high Converse. So, you know, as long as you make and it in thigh high. Those are ugly. Those are ugly. <laughs> so ugly. What's uglier, the thigh high UGG or the thigh high Converse? The thigh high Converse because it's giving like scene queen uh, bitch vibes. And like, I love a scene queen, but there was a bitch I hated in, in high school. <laughs> and I might have talked about her before who wore them all the time. And I was like, oh, they're so bad. They're so ugly. Yeah. Not to be I a think hater on main. Yeah. I don't know. The thigh Uggs look like foreskin to me, so I'm going to vote for those. But <laughs> are you talking about the ones that look like they're like scrunchy, like the scrunchy boot? Because I did see the Uggs made those. I thought that was a vibe. I love that look, but yeah, I see what you're talking about. Those foreskin is Oof. a real thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, number seven. So I I feel like I'm going to come back to the shutter shades era, but for now we're going to go a little a little closer to 2000 Good. to 2005. Okay. All right. All right. So dresses over jeans. Oh, which, this was the one Megan made me change. This is yeah, this one. there you go. <laughs> which this is a close cousin to the bikini tops with jeans and the sister to the mini skirt with capris. Do we all remember? Wait, all I don't know skirts? about. Th- 
I remember the miniskirt with capris. What is the bikini top over jeans? I've never seen that. Paris Hilton used to do that all the time. She wore a bikini top and jeans and like a little chain belt and a hat. You remember? Oh, I remember that. I thought you were talking about bikini bottoms over jeans. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Thank goodness. Although I've probably done that as a joke before, but it was never. I never never made it come into fashion. (laughs) Oh, Paris Hilton's going to come up on this a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So dresses over jeans, um, there is a specific picture, and I think you all immediately probably associated it as soon as I said dresses over jeans, but it's Mm -hmm. Ashley Tidsdale, Uh and I just want to talk about what she's wearing from head to toe in this outfit. Okay. In order. So she's wearing a knitted beanie that has a flower on it, okay, a giant pearl necklace, a cocktail dress over a white t-shirt, flared jeans underneath the cocktail dress, a sequined oversized bag and matching sequined flats. Babe, it's the sequin bag for me. <laughs> Iconic. Like Iconic. a huge sequin bag. You could fit that whole outfit mm-hmm. in that bag. So it's just crazy. Like the whole thing is crazy to me because this was really popular on the red carpet for many years in the 2000s. Oh, and why, God, yeah. why any of us thought that was appropriate, I'll never know. And my favorite part is they usually paired this, this outfit. So the dress over jeans with like the pointy pumps. Oh yeah. The little pointy yeah. toe. Mm-hmm. I know what Horrible. you're talking about. Horrible. They were a little awful. Awful. And it's funny because if you if you look at interviews, a couple of celebrities have been interviewed, like Jessica Alba was really famous for wearing dresses over jeans on the red carpet mm-hmm. and to her different movie premieres. Um, and she justified it. A couple of people were justifying it by saying they wanted to be dressed up, but not so formal. So they just decided mm-hmm. to throw a pair of Levi's on under well you know what that's so funny because the 2000s were all about like i said the fast fashion industry was booming um because everyone was poor everybody was poor so i think it kind of came from people not wanting to flaunt wealth so much as just be like an every other bitch type of thing so denim was really popular and all of these like super casual looks on red carpets were like everywhere we're gonna i think we're gonna see stuff like that again considering the fact that we're gonna be in a recession here shortly um So, yeah, and I think you can also see the backlash from that in, like, 2010s when we were all at the club in business casual. Like, what the fuck? We have the, like, jeans and cocktail dresses to thank for the peplums and pencil skirts (laughs) at the the 930 club. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, that's funny you say that because jeans were really popular. And I know, like, I think it was Anne Hathaway she was interviewed by saying – that a lot of people were wearing, like, designer jeans and putting a very, like, fast fashion cheap dress over it. So it was their way yeah, of dressing yes. up for the red carpet at the time, which mm-hmm. is just wild. It's but so ugly. <laughs> it is. It is. But you know what? I This is why I love fashion because I think it is the easiest way to get the whole story of what's going on socially, economically at the time just from looking at someone. And people that underwrite fashion or like underestimate it, I think are being uh, glib. You know, they're being purposefully ignorant. It's stupid to overlook it because this kind of stuff is, it it is a reflection. Like all of this stuff happened because of this. And it tells like this really interesting story. It's the only reason I passed U.S. history, honestly. They're like, what's going on in this picture? And I was like, I was like, well, these culottes were only worn in 1780. So my ass was. So it must be the war of 1780. (laughs) Right. Literally me. I got a D minus, but it's passing, bitch. Hey, that's what's up. <laughs> anyway, okay. Speaking of U.S. history, this next one I have, we're gonna take it way, 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 way back. I'm talking 1600s, way, way, way back. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about the powdered wig or the periwig. Um, 
which is, you know, so commonly associated with, with back in the day, uh, it's, it, we kind of normalized it, but I think if people were just to come out and wear powdered wigs now, we'd be like, the fuck are you doing my guy? I mean, it has actually a pretty interesting history. So like I said, I did a lot of research for this one. I had so much fun. I love fashion. Uh, okay. So the powdered wig was popular from roughly 1638 to 1795, which is a long period of time. Yeah. Very long period of time. Um, so 17th, 18th century was when wigs kind of started popping up. But um, I think they helped identify the time period better than like any other fashion trend. So you can look at somebody in a portrait and be like, ah, okay, I know where we are. Um, men began to actually don wigs regularly during the reign of the French king, Louis the Thirteenth. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of Louis in this. So, you know, keep it straight. <laughs> Louis Thirteenth was the first one in okay. 1838. This was his reign. So he didn't powder them at the time. This is actually the time where people wore those big, long black ones. So if you've seen that show Versailles, this is that guy. Okay. Um, he was a trendsetter because he was the first guy to do it because he started going bald at age 17. Can you believe? He was like, uh, okay, got to wear some wigs. So um, he used these obnoxiously large black wigs to help out his hairline uh, because he said <laughs> that men with receding hairlines were not good political leaders, which like, T, that's true. That is true. T, that's not T. Yeah. So they didn't start to get powdered later until the next king, Louis XIV, um, because cities around that time in France started to get a lot denser. So it started to get a lot stinkier. Um, and so people weren't, you know, commonly taking baths back then. So everything kind of smelled. So to kind of alleviate that problem, they started powdering wigs with like scents, uh, orange and lavender and yada, yada, yada. So lilac was another one that's why that started and it also in addition to hiding people's stenches started to hide uh evidence of like syphilis because when you had syphilis which was running rampant at the time yeah um you could lose your hair and you could have like sores all over your body and so the wigs would often cover that so nobody would know and then you would be a scrub for spreading more syphilis asshole yeah anyway what the heck Yep. So naturally, these wigs were pretty fucking gross and often full of lice, but you could give the wig to the wig maker who would then like soak them and boil them and then give them back and all the lice would be dead. Yeah. Um, and this is pretty <laughs> fucking gross. I know it's pretty fucking gross because they didn't do that very often. But the benefit of it is since people had the wigs, the lice would kind of just attack the wig and not their actual hair. So it kind of kept you safe and kept the wig nasty in a way. So icky. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think eventually King Charles II of England, he also adopted the the trend because he was like, okay, looking kind of cute. Love that. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Am I getting a text? No, I'm not. Okay. Um, yeah, so after he adopted it, it kind of got super popular, trickled down into the merchant class, and it became like a really common thing to see. Wigs actually cost roughly one week to one month's wages for average man, and it kind of made them a little bit of a status symbol. So some, mm -hmm. some courts actually insisted that all of their um, servants wore them as well. So even if you were even kind of high placed, you got to wear them. Um, this is actually where we get the term big wig, which I didn't know that. So like the bigger oh. and fancier your wig is, is yeah meant how much you oh very cool yeah men often had to shave their heads completely to get a wig to fit and this is still true for men who get hair pieces like the good ones you still kind of gotta do that but like it works in the long run um and then it actually started to die out right around the time that the americas started being colonized so um american 
like founding fathers like George Washington abandoned the wig. I thought that every single picture of George Washington and like all of those guys, like the first five presidents, I thought they were wearing wigs. They are not wearing wigs. Oh, um, they I would so too. style. Yeah, but that's why George Washington has a receding hairline in his pictures. Um, they would style their natural hair and powder it so that it looked like they were wearing wigs because ultimately it came down to the fact that A, wigs were a status symbol that was heavily associated with the monarchy. So they didn't want to be associated with that. And then B, mm. it was hot as fuck on the East Coast of the United States. They need sweatbands. In like, <laughs> in like fucking Virginia, they're like, I'm dying, bitch. So they got rid of those right quick. Um, but yeah, I think this is another <laughs> incidence of like, right, I know it's so funny, of like how fashion reflects the the economy and the, the social structure. Yeah. I think that is so fascinating but they were effectively right i know they were effectively killed off in exactly the year 1795 because the british prime minister william pitt put a tax on powder in that year and everyone's like well fuck it i don't have any fucking money man damn it pitt damn it william pitt i mean i kind of have him to think though because i hate that look i know um doesn't parliament still wear powdered wigs for their like stuff their proceedings yeah it's yeah. Fuck it. Who it looks, knows why? But and they just they just goofy. place it on top. They don't even try to like fit the wig. They just place. It's stupid. But you know what's interesting though about this particular trend is not many fashion trends have a specific like cutoff date. Yeah. And this one does. And so I yeah. think that's pretty interesting. No taxation without wigation. Bitch. <laughs> yeah, Bitch. literally. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, go look at a picture of George Washington and you'll be like, oh yeah, he does have a receding hairline. Just have a receding hairline. That's embarrassing. Well, I was giggling earlier because you know me. I always am one to reference TikTok sounds. And when you were talking about how hot it would be in Virginia with a wig on, I was like, oh, great heavens. <laughs> oh, great heavens. Yeah. I feel Puerto Rican uh, in this wig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, one's on Puerto my mind Rican? all the time. Yeah. I like oh, that one. What about Puerto J-Lo? <laughs> she Mexican. She Mexican. <laughs> Um, well, that is really interesting. Now I know if I ever call someone a big wig, where it comes from. So thank you. Right. I love when I find out that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is really cool. Okay. So, um, speaking of cool, we're going to go to not cool real fast. And okay. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of hesitate because I don't really know if you were into this or not. So let me know. Um, but Ed Hardy is knowing number six. Oh. oh my God. I was an Ed Hardy bitch, but I get it. I was all, I'm like a trendsetter though. So like I was anyway before I <laughs> I was in the early way. Yeah. <laughs> period. Period. Okay. Now that's Ed Hardy, true. Let's let's get into it. So Ed Hardy was created by Don Ed Hardy, and he actually mm-hmm. he's a really interesting guy. He has a bachelor's yeah. in printmaking, which is pretty cool, from the San Francisco Art Institute. He once turned down a scholarship to Yale. He said, fuck you guys. And he went on to study tattooing with the famous sailor Jerry Collins and a Japanese tattoo master, Hora Hyde. Wow. I'm pretty sure wow. it's how you pronounce his name, but I do not know. Pretty so, cool. I mean, this guy's got some accoutrements, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Accolades, if you will. In the early 2000s, um, Hardy licensed Coup USA. Um, so they he basically wanted to produce a clothing line with his with his tattoos and his artwork. So within two years, um, that collection had drawn the interest of a company called Sax Incorporated. Um, and then Hardy and Coup, they went on to form Hardy Life, which is now Hardy Way LLC. Lots of Hardys. Not to be confused with the burger place. <laughs> right, right, right. But 
Hardy Way LLC owns the Ed Hardy brand and the trademarks. So since then, the brand has been extensively licensed and at one point had 70 sub licenses, which is like kind of crazy. Um, and they sold everything, clothing, accessories, lighters, etc. But so this is where it all goes down. The most famous licensee was Christian. Okay. Forgive my pronunciation. Is it all? How do you pronounce his name? Adagier? Christian Adagier? Adagier? I have no idea. We'll call him Christian A. Mm. Um, But he was, he previously worked with Von Dutch Originals, which we all remember Uh, Von Dutch, right? Yeah. Again, Paris Hilton. (laughs) Um, Ed Hardy and Von Dutch go literally hand in hand. You would not see a single person without a Von Dutch hat that was in an Ed Hardy shirt. Yes, yeah. exactly. So Hardy actually blamed the collapse of his brand on the decisions by Christian A. So blames blames the downfall of the whole Hardy thing they have going on Christian A. Mm-hmm. Because he started featuring his name super prominently on all the designs. And at one point had put, Aud- I think it's Aud- whatever, Audigier, whatever, 14 times mm-hmm. on a single t-shirt. <laughs> Ex- the eccentric and not, not like eccentric, we get it excessive yeah, yeah. <laughs> very excessive and then yeah. um even worse so john goslin always used to wear oh. ed hardy all the time and yeah. he made it he single-handedly yeah. made it uncool <laughs> y- yes no that's so true um yeah. i okay so my mom was a big fashion girly she still is and she was always like finger on the pulse she got me an ed hardy shirt for christmas i want to say in like 2005 2006 and I wore it and I was like the coolest bitch because I love that, you know, that, ta- that Sailor Jerry style was so cool. Um, yeah. I remember it was red and had a tiger on it. And I was like, I'm the baddest bitch. Um, and it's true. It was a really cool shirt. And yeah. I think it was honestly Jer- Jersey Shore that came on air later that kind of made it a, like a gross tacky brand later. And then yeah. also John for sure. Um, so mm. we don't love that. But I do know that that is coming back immediately when Y2K popped off. I was like, okay, yeah, any yeah. Any, any day now. Because I've seen yeah. fashion girl is carrying around the Von Dutch bowler bag. And I'm like, where's the Ed Hardy? Where is yeah. It? Oh, it's coming. coming. It's coming. Yeah. But it's funny you mentioned that about Jersey Shore because I think we all, I, I at least knew it was like super popular when I started watching that show. Yeah. But it became such a pariah that venues started even banning the brand. So they said like, if you show up with what? anything that looks like it could be worn on Jersey Shore, we're not letting you in here. <laughs> um, yeah. What? Why? Because so, it was just like, so it was tacky? just like, yeah, it was just, it started being associated with trash. Like truly. Like, people who yeah. caused ruckuses and stuff. And I will say, the early day of Ed Hardy, like, the early designs, I actually love. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, yeah. exactly what you said. Like, the 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 Sailor Jerry, like, the early Americana-style tattooing. I think it's really cool. They're super cool. But it, it's too much. Like, right here, I have a picture, for those of you that don't know, oh. of a hat. And this is late <laughs> days, okay? It's mm-hmm. a hat that has a skull and, and two bones pointing at a clock, okay? The clock is bedazzled. And the hat says, of course. love kills slowly. Okay. And then it has Don Ed Hardy's name on it. I can see four times Golly. with roses in the background. But that, but that was during like logo mania, wasn't it? Because it was right before yeah. the recession. Am I right? Like right yeah, before this that was, started. Uh, let me see. 2010 was when they started banning it. So it was really popular yeah. in 2005 and 2006, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like it peak logo mania 
for sure. Yeah. That Ooh. that era is so fascinating cuz like the, around 2008 there's like such a huge shift in fashion because of that. And so before that you had like the the Louis Vuitton bags that were like covered in logos, oh. Hardy covered in logos, and then yeah. for just a so, such a severe drop off with all the H&M stuff after that. But yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I'll but, never I'll never be a fan of like heavily logo things like I remember sure. like going into my first like coach store and just I just hate the like the prints. I just coach- can't stand it. Like we get it. Logos ugly. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to start getting into fashion with an entry level designer, you have a few options. Okay, you've got Marc Jacobs. You've got, or sorry, not Marc Jacobs. Michael Kors. You've got Coach and Kate Spade, and there is a right one to choose, and it's ooh, who is Coach one? It's Kate Spade, guys. If you're going to go into an entry level designer brand, it's got to be Kate Spade. Okay, and if it's not, rethink yourself. Okay, thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. All right. I, wanted to, I think it was Michael Kors that bought Versace. Gianni's rolling in his grave. Oh my gosh. Wait, really? On. I didn't know that. Oh no. Oh yeah. Cause, cause Versace, like I think went bankrupt. I don't know why. Um, though Donatella, Donatella be doing some crazy shit. So like maybe that, but, um, yeah. Michael Kors was like, let me just slide in and get and buy that. And I know Gianni yeah. was like, no, that yeah, is second death. Yeah. His bones are not happy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that that is right. Okay. All right. Moving on. What what number are we on? Five? I'm on five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tell me if you've heard of this because they're called Krakows. Have you ever heard of these? No. I don't think no. so. I, had, I hadn't either. And then I saw a picture of them and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. So these are from a long, 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 long time ago, like medieval times, 15th century Europe. Okay. Um, so it's a style of shoe that was like a slipper, like a low cut slipper with an extremely long pointed toe. So it looks like little elf shoes, oh. right? Yes. Yeah. They're called yes. Krakows because they're named after Krakow, Poland. So they're also called Poulains, like the tips, the little tips are called Poulains because it's called shoes in the Polish, fa- Polish fashion is what that means. Um, oh. So it got incredibly out of hand so much <laughs> to the point that the shoes were outlawed in 1463 in London. So like people were going crazy, going stupid with the Krakows. Okay. So King Edward IV was the guy who made it a law that you couldn't wear them. He insisted that <laughs> noblemen couldn't have tips longer than two inches long um and that was pretty crazy because people could you imagine walking around with a shoe that had a tip longer than two inches to begin with no i could not no so while the krakows with like any type of shoe with a point have been around since like the 1200s 1460s they reached such ridiculous lengths that wearers had to chain the tip of the shoe to their calves like they would wear little garters on their calves with like a big chain on it that would hold the tip up so that they could actually walk it got to that point. honestly really that's kind crazy. of a vibe that's kind of a vibe it's, it, as somebody who has it looked huge kind feet. of fucking cool yeah it was pretty fucking cool i'm not gonna lie um it also indicated that you were really fucking rich because you didn't have to walk around much less do hard labor because you're like i'm sorry i can't get my shoe garters dirty my my bad um yeah. And then the fact that they were like low cut around the ankle made them kind of sexy. People are like, he's going to show a little bit of his anky. Okay. We love that. <laughs> right. So, you know, big status symbols as much of these are, you know, um, let's see, what else do I have on here? Okay. They mark one of the rare periods where men's fashion was much more like frilly and girly than women's fashion, which I think is significantly like interest interesting, significantly interesting because for so much of history, women's fashion has been 
like much more elaborate than men's outfits. I think since mm-hmm. like the modern suit was invented, it really has not strayed from that. So I don't know what is that like the the 1800s on. It really hasn't changed a whole lot, at least for yeah. like classic formal wear. But yeah, so men wore crazy shit jewels and like big old fucking shoes. They had um oh they they would wear doublets and leggings at the time, right? So when the Krakows were super popular, the uh the doublet became getting shorter and shorter to emphasize the leg, right? Because everybody was like, oh, we love a man with a sexy leg, right? Um, and then, you know, the shoe emphasized the long leg, so they loved that. But what's crazy about it is it's such a, like, frivolous purchase. People think that it was a reaction from the Black Death. So the reason people had such crazy fucking shoes around this time is that all of their family members were dead, and now they had more money to spend on stupid shit. If I was somebody's grandma and I died and my grandson went out and bought my inheritance money or whatever family money I had and got some cows, I would be pretty pissed. I'm not going to lie. Like, you didn't buy a cow I mean, with that money. <laughs> yeah. And here's what I'm hoping for a post-pandemic economic miracle so I can buy some crazy ostentatious <laughs> shoe wear. That'd be excellent. Thank you. Um, not that I want my family to die, but I am saying we could do with a little economic boost. So maybe someone needs to invent another crazy fucking shoe that takes the world by storm. What's actually funny about the Krakow is it didn't die off when it was outlawed in 1463. While people stopped wearing them, they actually had like a weird mini comeback in like the 19, I don't know, 50s when the shoe called the Winkle, Winkle Pickler came into style and if you look it up yeah it's called the winkle pickler which sounds like a neighborhood pedo oh my god yeah that's old man winkle pickler he'll 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 pickle your winkler man (laughs) oh boy so we love that you love that Uh, if you look up what those shows the shoes look like you can kind of be like oh yeah i've kind of seen them they're just pointy pointy men's shoes yeah but oh yeah but still i mean it is giving very like it's giving very end of days to me. For some reason, it feels very yeah. like <laughs> horsemen of the apocalypse. I don't know why. Girl, well, you know what? We've already had war and pestilence, and now we're in a famine. So Winkle Picklers are ready for a comeback and apparently, this time. Apparently flatulence, too, with the gorillas. And apparently so. flatulence from the gorillas. But you know what? I think that the, the fourth death, death, or sorry, horsemen of the apocalypse death, he probably wears crack house. That seems on brand. Oh, absolutely. Enough. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because you always hear about shoes going higher, but you never really hear about shoes going longer. Longer? What the fuck? I love it, though. And it's just so funny to imagine some (laughs) asshole just tripping over his shoes at court. It's what they deserve. Eat the rich. Or, like, someone is like, sir, can we cross? And it's like, let me let down my drawbridge. And his (laughs) shoes just start unfolding. Yes, literally. Literally. They got so insane. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Look them I up because there are some that are like weirdly well preserved because they fell in the mud because someone was like, I'm going to throw your ugly ass shoes in the river. And well, they, you know, like, what's interesting when I was doing research for this, um, something very similar came up and I'm trying to think of the name of it. Hold on. It's a me- it's a Mexican boot, Mexican pointy boot, mm-hmm. a yeah. guaracero. And it's like oh, it's yeah. pretty similar. I'll show you. But like, I'm, oh, yeah, I wonder yeah, if that yeah, has yeah. influences. But that's so interesting. Look at this one. Oh, wow. That guy's got a tiny dick. That one curls up like the tiny dick. believe it or not. (laughs) Like the nail lady. Like the nails. Ew. Ew. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Anyways. Interesting. Okay. So number five for me are um, bathing suit dresses. 
So, oh yeah. Otherwise known as a bathing dress. You probably heard it as a bathing dress, but it was a mode of um, dressing used for ladies swimming and bathing activities during the 19th century. So originally they included, this is, this is for getting wet y'all ankle length dresses, long pants and long sleeves. Interesting. Okay. So they're made of fabrics that are like thick enough that they won't become transparent when they're wet. And they have typically they had weights sewn into the hem so that they wouldn't rise up in the water. So tell me what okay, safety that sounds looks like, like a to recipe you. for yeah yeah right like that sounds like drowning waiting to happen what so dumb so dumb <laughs> so oh my god when I was researching there was like an image that popped up because I I love flipping through the pictures um but it, I was drinking wine at the time this was pre COVID and I almost spit my wine out because it was so funny to me but um it was a bathing gown it was an image of a bathing gown that shows it was. The person who wrote the article was trying to prove the point that bathing gowns, which were invented for modesty, were not all that modest when they're wet. And so they took a picture of somebody in a ba- in a bathing dress, and it was their wet ass cheeks, which like that's kind of funny in and of itself. But they were flexed harder than I've ever seen anybody flex their ass cheeks, and you could Good see every them. dimple. You could see every dimple oh in God. that bathing gown. So it was really funny. Good, but. Good. The whole reason I find these weird is for the obvious safety reasons. But it's interesting that, like, in Roman times, people were nude when doing any sort of water activity. And so for right. fashion to evolve to, to involve more clothing than less, especially because we got to the point of a bikini before we got to these bathing gowns. So, like, it went from nude to, like, what we typically see as a bikini to a bathing yeah. gown and then back again. So it's just interesting that these made, you know... They they came yeah. up in a time that they weren't really necessary. So it's like it's like a swing from like super modesty to not. I think we're we are currently in a modest era um, because skirt length is actually the longest it's been since the nineteen tw- tens. Uh, right now, I think like average really? skirt length. Yeah, because you know everybody's wearing those like maxi skirts, those like cottage core skirts. Um, yeah, even though like people still rock you know a mini and like some slutty wear, but like. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it is interesting, and and the weights, the weights and the sleeves don't bring those back. Okay, that what the fuck is that? Men like two things from women: covering up their no no bits so other man can't look at them, and killing them. And I yep. believe that <laughs> this was invented by a man. <laughs> this was invented by a man, and I know this. Most things were. That's the thing. That's the sad part. There are not many like fashion mo- like movements that were started by women until maybe yeah. like the nineteen twenties. Yeah, I was so, gonna say the pool that. skirt. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, yes, they, it was like in the past, like I don't know, hundred some years that it did, but yeah, it wasn't. Uh, you know, okay. Moving right along, I have for my fourth place cod pieces. I'm sure we're all familiar. Um, they got so fucking crazy. If you don't know what a cod piece is, let me break it down for you. So, yet another trend that started with uh, syphilis. Okay. Um, at the time that cod pieces were around, so like 1400s, 1500s, um, treatments for syphilis were like rubbing creams and oils on your no-nos. Um, Ooh, and those creams daddy. and oils would... Ooh, daddy. <laughs> those creams and those oils, those poultices would stain your, your, your leggings. Okay. So people would cut holes in the crotches and be like, here's my little <laughs> dick, dick napkin. For my syphilis dick is what that started with. Okay. You don't have one? Um, That's weird. 
mm, weird. So it started with that and it ended it ended up being like this huge posturing thing for men because of fucking course it did. Um, so back in the day, syphilis was called the French pox, as we discussed with Perry Wiggs. It was running rampant in the streets of Paris at the time and it spread to England pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, it was applied to the no-nos. You would cover your dick with a little napkin, not ruin it. And it was a separate article. So um, let's see. Yeah. So as doublets began to shrink, like I was talking about with the Krakows, uh, the emphasis of the leg came by and then you still wanted something to cover the giblets because leggings <laughs> are not known for covering giblets very well. Okay? Right. Ask any actor that's played Peter Pan in the past 50 years. <laughs> too <laughs> i'm just loose boys out okay yeah and um, you, you so, mr winkle pickler is gonna find you so you better be you better be careful he's gonna find you he's gonna find you okay so um they were originally modest but over time were designed to bulge and distend because men are obsessed with their penises historians call it the permanent erection which is exactly <laughs> what it is um and say that over time their obnoxious sizes allowed the wearer to use it as a pocket like it was so over exaggerated that men could put put shit in it and here's a list of some of the shit they found in cod pieces (laughs) i'm so excited okay oranges bottles (laughs) hand mirrors a gun they found a pistol in a cod piece i don't even know they had a gun near your pee pee don't do that don't do that you know they're dumb they're also stupid okay um (laughs) so men would decorate them with brocade jewels embroidery tassels yada 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 and boys as young as 10 years old would wear them uh and they would also be obnoxiously large on a 10 year old boy they'd be like here's my giant yeah my giant 10 year old boy dick and i'm like i hate that so much yeah it's just like the ultimate study in machismo um and it led to this like fabricated, fictionalized superiority of the male form, which ugh, we hate. Um, but when fashion started to take on like a more feminine type of figure, think of like the Elizabethan rough era where everyone started to get really frilly. Um, the codpiece fell out of style by the close of the 16th century. So um, good. They haven't ever really come back, thank God, despite being featured in runways. So I think Tom Brown and Gucci have both featured uh, cod pieces in their runway shows, but they haven't really like made it into mainstream. However, one notable exception to this, one one instance where we could see it is in the 1960s when Eldridge Cleaver, who was a leader of the Black Panthers, used the profits from his memoir to design pants with a sock-like cod attached to represent a Black man's freedom. And he was... uh, like sorry he was noted to say that we have been castrated by clothing and my pants open up new vistas i am against penis binding that's what he said and that's what that was the only instance where the cod piece like returned oh in gosh. mass so the black panthers did wear them which is i'm like, imagining like i mean i kind of get it yeah i mean i get it but like i'm imagining like the different work streams within the black panthers and he's like a one-man like group work stream yes. he's like i know exactly what i need to do and no one backed him you they're just like good luck you can't bind this dick you can't control it i mean i kind of fucking okay, get it Eldridge. especially considering like <laughs> right no i get it especially considering how like black men were like sexualized for their dicks for so long True. like i kind of get the concept oh yeah but, I get yeah it. i just mm-hmm, i just don't yeah. uh, like i don't understand why if it's been featured in like so many runway shows, like why aren't people wearing cod pieces now? Because I know so many guys that would love to talk about their penis and decorate their penis. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's just you know, there. keep an eye on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I exactly. hope not. That's one trend of all the trends on here. That's the one I don't want to come back the most. 
I'll right. wear a bathing dress Ooh, if I have to. Okay. <laughs> if it means just that not coming back. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. So you had the macro bags, if you know what I mean. Number four for me is micro yeah. bags. <laughs> oh, yes. Ah, uh, these yes. make me so fucking angry. And I don't know why. These make me angrier than Uggs. Oh, wow. But anyways. So as I talked about with Ashley Tidsdale, we had quite an obsession with really big bags in the 2000s, like huge bags, mm-hmm. and even yeah. even into the early 2010s. So it's it's very understandable that we would go from super large to super tiny. Um, so not surprising at all. But during the end of the last decade, mini bags started coming out, and bag lovers were like totally ditching whatever they were carrying for these tiny, tiny, tiny non-functional purses, Okay. So when the micro bag popped up, it was like regarded as pretty weird, but then celebrities started bringing them onto the red carpet. And of course, they're always ever, ever the fashion trendsetter. Um, So many fashion critics, when they first came out, they interpreted the micro bag as like this weird sort of like silly commentary on how far designers would go to like see Mm -hmm. what people will do. Okay. Yeah, it's true. So... We don't know. We don't know if it's like a gimmick that spiraled out of control or if this is like truly just like bag love and they wanted to try it in a mini, a mini form. We don't know. But they removed the thing about these that get me. So they did start out small and we've seen it with like the mm-hmm. little fanny packs or the shoulder bags. Like those are small, but they're still functional. Yeah. But now they're getting mm-hmm. to the point where like they're removing practicality out of like the equation entirely. You can't fit anything yeah. in there. So it's truly yeah. just for aesthetic pleasure and and nothing more. So I think it's a super bizarre trend because it's like wearing a necklace. Like, why is it there? Well, it's because uh, because fashion and uh, as an aesthetic, <laughs> and I stand by that. <laughs> uh, and I stand by that. As somebody who loves just the way shit looks because it looks cute, I would totally buy into that. Fuck yeah, I love it. I love oh, a little man. like. Not because, like, I I don't carry bags a lot, first of all. Let me say that. I do like a good purse, but I am somebody who just, I, I, I'm too sensory overwhelmed very easily. And so I like to keep my wallet and my phone and my keys. That's it. And I keep them in my pocket. Yeah. But, um, like a man, like, who am I? But, yeah. You need the, a cod little, piece, girl. Little, <laughs> I need a cod piece, girl. No, the little bag I could see being kind of cute. Like, it's not too overwhelming that I have to lug it over my shoulder. But I could, like, maybe even put it around my wrist, like a little wristlet. I could see it being kind of cute. It'll, yeah. Not like it's going to add much to my outfit, but I love things I for, that are pretty for pretty sake, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fair. And I could, it's, it does remind me of like a bracelet charm. Like it's that small. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was doing my research, I found an interesting comment from someone called Chris1011 on a website about micro bags. Sounds if like it doesn't fit my subject. phone, yeah, listen, Chris has got some shit to say, okay? Course, if it doesn't fit my phone with room for a couple of lipstick, keys, and tissues, I won't buy it. Not all of us are glued to our smartphones and need them in hand 24-7. I put mine in my bag and I actually talk to the person I'm with. Though if you want to waste your hard-earned money on a doll-sized bag, that's your prerogative. Okay, Chris. Okay, Chris. <laughs> I was like, I'm not that bad You must be it. fun. <laughs> Literally, Chris, you must be fun at parties. I bet. That's <laughs> your prerogative. Yeah. Mm, okay. Anyway. <laughs> hate that. Yeah. Hate you. And I hate you, Chris. Sorry. Not to be a hater, but I am. Actually, you know what? I am a hater. I'm a hater first. Yeah. An American yeah. second. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know. I think it's like hater, woman, icon, 
Fashion icon, American. yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, obviously. Okay, so moving right along, because I don't want to have you guys be here forever, but we're going to give you a little bit of a longer episode today because it's been a while. I've been doing a lot of part one, part twos, but I feel like we can power through. Um, number three for me is Le Pouf, or I think, yeah, no, Le Pouf, um, also known as that Marie Antoinette hair. We're going to get into this oh. hair girl because... I love Marie Antoinette. That's your what era. an interesting fucking person. What an interesting fucking person. That is my era. Yeah, I remember getting the Sofia Coppola movie um at the Blockbuster in like the fourth grade and watching it at a sleepover and being like, they're having sex in this movie. And my stepmom was like, well, you know, anyway, loved it. It was great. And I've loved it ever since. So um, similar to the man's periwig, the powdered wig, like we talked about, women of the 18th century also adopted wigs as a way to cover their thinning hair and sores because of syphilis and status right okay so women were not out of this trend however pause for effect unlike men's wigs the women's wigs um and hair pieces often incorporated insane shapes and accessories as i'm sure you guys know and i am going to talk a little bit more in detail about what some of these were because they get so crazy i didn't even think about half of these okay the poof was a hairstyle that became popular in the french court of louis the 16th so not the 14th or the 15th women only really started wearing wigs way later so in the 16th um so louis the 16th and marie antoinette there you go it used everything from wire cloth gauze animal hair and small figurines to create a voluminous coiffure okay um that women used to express their feelings and to celebrate events the main creators oh yes right mm-hmm. uh the main creators of this style are wig makers madame rose bertine I think that's how you'd say it. I don't speak French. And Monsieur Leonard, who actually is a character in the Sofia Coppola movie. And if you don't remember who he is, he's the guy that does her hair, eh? And he's also the one that keeps her from getting it burnt on a candle when she's drunk. He, like, lifts her head up. That's that's the guy that invented oh. the style. Yep. Um, the first woman to wear this was the Duchess of Chartres. Chartres? I don't know. In 1774, who wanted to celebrate the birth of her son. So her wig featured 14 yards of gauze, and it had two wax figures representing her and her son. Or, or sorry, her son and the nurse, like the wet nurse, not even her. She was like, fuck it. Um, <laughs> as well as a small parrot a plate of cherries another wax figure of a small african boy she was fond of uh and the initials <laughs> of the three dukes yeah literally like what the fuck lady um she's like have you guys heard of my slave i love him uh it's so fucking weird wait um, so they the decorate dukes, their hair sorry they yeah, decorate their hair like a wedding cake like it's like yes there were okay. little little figurines in it but this <laughs> i love that she cut Right, I know. Oh my god. This lady had everything on it, like a parrot. She had the bowl of cherries. <laughs> she had the the her slave boy. And then she also cut hair snippets from her son, her husband, and her uh like her son's grandfather, and then wrote their initials with their hair in the wig. So fucking crazy. <laughs> um Right. And she was obviously the talk of the town because they're like, this bitch crazy. She put other people's hair in her hair. She got a little slave boy in her hair. So it became all the rage because what the fuck? Um, Marie Antoinette especially was like, love what you've done with the place. And by the place, I mean your head. Um, (laughs) She incorporated like many versions of this into the poof. So she had lots of different ones. Um, One of the more famous ones that she wore was called the poof a la inoculation. I think that's how you say it. So the poof of the inoculation, uh, which celebrated modern medicine and the... um, inoculation the vaccination of her husband for smallpox so he was one of the first people to get the vaccination for smallpox so yes. it involved like right i know get that va- get vaxxed okay <laughs> um right 
It involved a snake that would wind around this like olive branch to symbolize, you know, the medicine, the sign from medical people. Um, and then it had a rising sun because uh, Louis the Sixteenth was called like the Sun King. Okay, so something like that. Some of Leonard's other famous creations were the Coffure à la Belle Poule, which is probably the most famous, which was um, a large wooden ship to celebrate the Frigate La Belle Poule. I, I don't know how to say French words. It had a naval victory. And so a bunch of ladies at court would wear these big ass ships in their head. And then their hair would look like waves. Very pretty. Um, but it got so out of hand that everyone that wasn't fucking rich as fuck was like, what the fuck do you people have on your head? <laughs> and I think that's really fun to talk about because like while the Met Gala was going on, everyone's like, um, hey, you guys are trying to overturn Roe v. Wade. Like, we don't give a shit about what, what the fuck you're wearing. Like, real shit's going on. Because when the puff was popular, like the French Revolution started. So everyone's like, what the fuck are you guys wearing in your hair? the war is happening. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it got, it got so out of hand that people, right. They started to like ridicule people that wore them. They became huge things to mock. And then, um, what did I say? Like they would make fun of the women that would wear like bird cages and shit in their hair. That was another popular one. But, um, the craziest one I ever heard of, I'd never heard of this before, was that melancholy women, sad, depressed women would sometimes <sighs> put urns of their loved ones in their hair. Like, full-on ashes of their dead parent or husband. I mean, in their God, I've seen what you've done for others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine how heavy that would be, though? Fuck so no. heavy. And also, like, what if you trip and fall and then all of the ashes of your lover go all over the place? No, thank you. Good kaput. No, thanks. Um, yeah. So that was crazy. But then, eventually, even the wig makers themselves started to make fun of these people because they, <laughs> they couldn't keep up with how many people wanted crazy shit. Because it's fucking 1700s. Like, it's not yeah. like they can make these things quickly. So right. they're, like, making fun of all of their clients. And then also, another reason it fell out of style is, like, people going to the opera were like, I can't see the fucking stage. Get your fucking hair down, please. <laughs> Which is so funny to me. So that was that a big thing. Funny. And the women eventually couldn't fit into carriages because their hair was so big. They couldn't walk through door frames. Oh yeah, which God. was bonkers. And then once, like, the aristocrats started getting picked off one by one by the revolutionaries, A, having a big wig would make you very uh, conspicuous. And then B, they just stopped having parties everywhere so nobody had a place to wear their big-ass wigs, too. So they stopped mm -hmm. yeah. altogether. Yeah. So. I mean there you go. That's why they're no longer that's like, a thing. That's, a, that's the original insane. drag. That's the original yes. RuPaul's Drag Race. I love that. Yes. Oh, my God. That's the only thing I can think of that's comparable to, like, the big, big, big hair, like, is drag yeah. queen wigs. You're so right. Yeah. So right. I love it. I love that. Thank I you. love you said that it would express their feelings because I'm just, like, imagining being in court. Be like, don't talk to Jessica today. She's in a bad mood. And her wig is, like, red with, like, sad faces yeah. all over literally like oh shit she put her dad's urn in there so she's going through it again fuck she's sad don't talk to her i love the idea of a french aristocratic woman named jennifer yeah and jessica me too i like I or sorry or jessica sorry yeah no i love it oh, did you I say love jennifer it. i thought you said jennifer I no i thought that's that's what i said jessica that's what i meant just either way either way she's thriving at the ball <laughs> she's she's the bell of the ball there you go. So I have, I, I actually don't even think I put down what year this is. Me, oh, I did. Okay. So we're going back in the day here. So, and I'm, I hopefully, hopefully I don't butcher the pronunciation, but the, the chopping, chopping, chopin, 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 chopin,
P-I-N, right? P-I-N-E, yeah. But close, yeah, you're close. Chopin? Sure. So yeah. this is a, a platform shoe that was developed in the early 16th century, and it was super popular among Venetian women. And it was Ooh. called the Chopin, and it had practical and symbolic function. So it was a, it was, it looks so weird. It's literally a regular shoe slapped on top of this giant like platform, right? Like it's the wildest Money. thing I've ever seen. Money, baby. So this thick-soled raised shoe was designed to protect the foot from irregularly paved and wet or muddy streets, which how I'm not sure because it looks like an ankle breaker to me, but really it, yeah, like I, it doesn't look very stable. But it's the also the enhancement of the wearer's stature. So um, that also okay. played a role. So like the higher you are, the the more societally important you are. And it got to the point that people needed two assistants on. This is what women wore these, by the way, under oh the, under their big like puffy dresses. But yeah. it got to the point Makes that sense. the women needed two assistants to help carry them like through the streets because they couldn't walk on these things because they're getting so tall. Fair. Of course. So. They got up to 20 inches high. Holy shit. That's basically stilts. How could they even hold hands of attendance at that point? They're probably just like on their heads. Like they're like, Joseph, Brad, help me out. And they just like lock onto their heads. And that's it. Oh my God. If you guys don't know what these look like, definitely look them up because it it quite literally just looks like a shoe that's been gorilla glued on a wooden platform. It's, It's so crazy. Um. But yeah, so that is a super weird one just because it, it's supposed to be practical, but it's not. And it's supposed to but give you societal not. importance, but it makes you have like an entourage of people and you're grabbing their heads trying to walk. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of, though, is like at the Met Gala, we're going to keep bringing this up. Kim Kardashian <laughs> wore the famous Marilyn Monroe dress. Obviously, it's been the talk of the town. And if you didn't know, oh, my God, she wore the famous Marilyn Monroe dress from the Happy Birthday, Mr. President era. OK, um, anyway, she was too short to wear it. So she wore pleaser stripper heels with it, which it's giving. I actually didn't know that. Chopin. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to oh, tell. They only let her wear the dress on the red carpet. They're like, take that shit off immediately, woman. Um, yeah. I'm not pleased with her for doing that because I don't think she's oh. a Marilyn. I think she's more of an Elizabeth Taylor, but one day she'll understand. It was not that day. All right. It was Moving not that on. day. That's a, that's an interesting, uh, interesting fact. I did not know though. Oh, so yeah, she girl. wore some shoppings to the Met Gala. <laughs> she, basically, I think please your heels are the equivalent of that. Though they are a lot easier yes. to walk in because they are a platform, right? So yeah. it's not like just the heel itself. So we've kind of figured out heels, I think, by now. So yeah, those, I think so. Those are like the grandparents of the pleasers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> number two for me, we are getting up there. Um, and actually, I was I almost made this one my number one, but my number one's a little bit of a downer. Uh. Because I felt like it was important to talk about, so I made it my number one. So this one instead is this is, this is the last time I'm going to be jokey, funny, ha ha with you guys. Okay, um, this is the the elongated skulls, which is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard of. Like, oh my god. Okay, and I was making this list. I was like, I don't want to be like disrespectful to other people's cultures and like their beauty standards and whatnot. Like, I don't want to just write something down because it like it might mean something special to these people. And I'm not trying to be a total bitch, right? Elongated (laughs) skulls had like no fucking purpose other than beauty. And it's insane. So um, this one goes way, 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 way back. But it's also called artificial cranial modification. um, And it is an ancient trend that was popular in 
like so many cultures, I can't even list them all. And uh, it only started to really die out officially into the in the 1950s. What? Like they only Whoa. stopped doing it officially in the 1950s, which is so recent. And we're talking an ancient, ancient thing happening here. Yeah. Okay. So the earliest suggestion of it is from 9000 BCE. Like, holy shit, because we found a skull in a cave in Iraq. And it was thought originally to be a few things. People saw it and were like, alien, because it's a, a long ass skull, like Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Okay. <laughs> um, People were like alien. And then they were like, maybe it's a deformity or maybe it's a different type of humanoid species, like a Cro-Magnon, something, whatever. Um, it confused scientists for a long, long time until um, a record actually written by Hippocrates in 400 BCE described the practice of, uh, I believe, this group of people called the macrocephaly, who um, would use this practice by putting, essentially, they would take a baby whose skull hadn't fused and put it in between like wood slats that would just shape the head. And it wasn't painful or anything like that. Um, it would just shape the head into like a, a point almost. Um, so let's see. Tribes in Central Asia used them to distinguish the nobility around 300 BCE uh, to eliminate the use of crowns. So like nomadic tribes and stuff use them a lot because less things you have to carry. People with elongated skulls, you got to take your skull with you everywhere you go. You can't really leave that behind. It's so true. it replaced crowns. Yep. <laughs> and then it was also, right, it was also practiced in uh, several indigenous groups, uh, most notably probably the Maya and the Choctaw in the in the Americas, um, as well as by people in the Philippines and Sudan. And Sudan is actually the place that uh, practiced it up until the 1950s and, and one of the Sudanese tribes. Um, and it was even practiced later in places like Russia, France, and Scandinavia, which is pretty interesting. Though those last three didn't really use it for like a beauty thing. They were more obsessed with the concept of phrenology, which if you don't know, is like a pseudoscientific uh, belief that the way your head is shaped will contribute to what your personality is like. So they would kind of experiment on people by making their skulls longer. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, right. So that was weird. That's the only instance where it wasn't like an aesthetic or class yeah. kind of choice. Um, but many ancient cultures, but specifically the Mayan, believed that people with longer skulls were smarter and more connected to the spirits, which I think is so interesting um, because like the alien thing kind of checks out with that, right? So what if there's like an alien civilization that came down? People would be like, oh, the spirits, the gods, whatever. They have these weird long skulls that they're so smart. So it kind of like connects there, right? And I know there's a lot of theories about Egyptians knowing aliens and like aliens building the pyramids. Egyptians actually naturally had longer skulls than a lot of other people. So a lot of people think that tribes in Africa were trying to mimic that um, because the Egyptians were held to such just like cultural standard at the time. Um, and it could have been an alien thing. Like who fucking knows, you know? Who fucking knows? Um, so I think that was interesting. Yep. Uh, let's see. Scientists have said that doing this had no significant difference on cranial capacity. Like it didn't change your brain at all, which surprises me. Right. I feel like mm -hmm. that would, that would not be so great for you, but I think it's interesting that so many tribes and different types of people, like geographically very distant people adopted this and right. even like really isolated places like the tribes in Samoa, Hawaii did it. And it's like, where the fuck was this coming from? Like, it must be aliens like it must be aliens right? yeah i mean that's what it sounds like or it's like the high of the hand the closer to jesus but they're like the literally, literally. Skull, the... <laughs> well 
like the longer yeah. and higher your skull for sure. But you can see it in like all these old like drawings that of from the Mayan time, like the mm-hmm. people have kind of pointier heads because like people who were like, you know, high spiritual leaders or or you know, actual royalty would have them. It was kind yeah. of crazy, but it was it was surprisingly common. And I cannot believe it lasted that long. No, me neither. So all all you had to do was put a baby's head in like a wooden slat for a little bit. And then it was like that way for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, you you too can accomplish. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just one easy step. (laughs) There were different ways that they they like positioned the the wooden slat. But yeah, essentially every tribe that did it did it in the same kind of way. So kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. And yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like in a lot of these like fashion trends, especially the older ones, it is an elongation thing. Like that's what mm-hmm. in in some sort of direction, right? Like it's always about being longer. I you love know? that because I'm a short bitch. <laughs> I want to reach the heavens and the aliens the too. <laughs> closer to closer to God, the bigger they have, closer to God. That's right. That was a New that's Jersey right. accent for a Texas thing, but know. you know. <laughs> but listen, um, what what the, the Jersey? Uh, what's her name? Teresa, what is her oh, name? Teresa Caputo. Yeah, the, Teresa the Long Caputo. Island medium. She's got that big ass hair too. We were yeah, talking about her because she did a show in, in in town. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, I'm rich. The Long Island medium's here though. But yeah, valid. I want to go. I have COVID. I know, though. me too. Oh. <laughs> okay, so number two is going to be really fast for me because I know we're um we're we're getting up there. Hold on, let me allow this storage. We got, um, we got, we got some time. We're fine. And I don't really have much to say about this, except that this is a craze that swept the nation, possibly the mm. world. And oh. I want to know why it happened and also why it happened. So number two, <laughs> silly yes. bands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. What fuck. the fuck? Dude. What the fuck? They were silly. They were silly, weren't they? They were an iconic <laughs> piece of pop culture. And they were very mm. popular in early 2010. And for those of you that didn't have them, loser, first of all. <laughs> Second of all. First of all. <laughs> yeah. Second true, of all. True. They were shaped like different animals usually. So like dolphins mm. and giraffes and whatever. And if you expanded them, it just looked like a regular rubber band. And you had kids right. coming to school wearing like 100 at a time on their wrist. And they would be like traded. Yes. And it was like. It was like a constant rave concert with the plur because you would like constantly mm-hmm. trade bracelets like yeah. in between periods and stuff. So it was just super weird. Why, why Why were we into those so much? Well, I think at that time, like scene culture was at a peak and like emo kids and scene kids love the bright color because scene kids are basically just emo kids with bright colors and the silly yeah. bands kind of <laughs> appealed to that. But they also, um, I know they covered like self-harm scars. So uh, if you wore oh, enough of them. Oh, that's sad. You're being yeah, a Debbie Downer actually, today. <laughs> sorry. That's my theory. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that that's why like sweatbands probably took off or like, you know, there's also those jelly bracelets that were like sex act bracelets. A lot of those also did that. And that's why yeah. there were so fucking many at once. And um, so the the excess of, of jewelry, and it's also a lot rave culture also contributed to that yeah. significantly. Yeah. Well, that makes me rethink um, my high school experience now. I mean, it's not like everybody, but like seeing kids, we're trendsetters, you know, so people like to be like this, the scene boppers. Um, And I do remember I only had one silly band because I never bought them myself, but someone gave me one because they said it reminded me of them. It was a little mermaid and I loved it. And it was a little teal one. I kept that all the time. And I remember Neil Patrick Harris being on on like some late night show. And he's like, I got a silly band of a chicken because I love cock. (laughs) 
it was like <laughs> phenomenal phenomenal we love to see yeah. it was, yeah i remember my mom coming home with like two packs for one for me and one for my brother and we like sat there and traded for like 30 minutes and i'm like i'm 16 like what am i doing like i was You're old being stylish yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know Anyways, old speaking i hope those don't come okay back. well you know who knows it'll probably happen Okay, so I'm going to talk about something that's probably a little, a little controversial, but I thought it would be an interesting topic to discuss. And I wanted to talk about, for my number one spot, uh, Heroin Chic, which is like a bit of a downer, but I actually read a lot about it and it's actually really interesting. So I thought I'd go into that for you. But in the mid-90s, if you don't already know, young fashion photographer um, David Soretti featured several photos in popular magazines of models like Kate Moss, who appeared super skinny and quote-unquote strung out. Um and that created basically this concept of heroin chic. So it was very chic to look like you were on drugs at the time. Um, Sorrenti, who was very young, would later die tragically at the age of 20. So he actually got these these pictures in the magazines when he was like, I don't know, 18, 19, which is incredible. Oh, my God. Um, but he was somebody who did struggle with addiction. He, however, was not – he didn't die because of it, which is a, a common misconception. So um, – only after a few years after the, the like the photos were published is when he passed away. And since trace amounts of heroin were found in his system, that officially dubbed the the movement heroin chic. Um, and people kind of contributed that to him. Anyway, so um, while some argue that the movement died with him, others would disagree saying it's drug glorifying elements and like skinny bodies could be seen as the main aesthetics that contributed later to like the Tumblr indie sleaze look of the mm. mid 2010s, which is like you can see that heavily influenced there's uh, influence there. But um, teens that identified with this group reported a higher percentage of both drug and eating disorders. So drug use and eating disorders, which is absolutely true. Like that is what it was glorifying. So you can totally see that. And the same with the indie sleaze era. That was a big thing as somebody like who lived through that era, like it was all over the place. Um, but this trend emerged as a backlash to the super glossy, bright magazine covers of athletic people like Jane Fonda types in the 1980s. So, um, it fit in seamlessly with this newly emerging grunge scene, uh, and it kind of just seemed to be like the the obvious next step in fashion. There was a desire to kind of connect fashion with youth culture. I, I mean, there always has been, but especially in the 90s. And it kind of blurred the, the line between like life and art, which is pretty interesting. Um, but people often criticize this fashion because it it's often easier to criticize fashion than to criticize the culture that it emulates. So that's why I think heroin chic gets like a bad rap for, but it wasn't really made because of nothing. You know, it came right. from the, the culture, which I think is interesting. But um, with heroin chic, we see one of the most extreme examples of like trending body types, which is like such a terrible fucking concept like people's bodies shouldn't be a trend but heroin chic was like one of the not the first but one of the more extreme examples of it and because of this um like it's extreme reaction to the like athletic model type that the pendulum swung so dramatically back in the opposite side so we get like the bbl era of like i wouldn't say now right. maybe like five years ago right yeah so we got that huge change um but as we see the decline of this like kim k body now i think it's important for us to kind of keep an 
eye on what's being highlighted to replace it. So I think about like Euphoria, which is currently like the biggest show on right now. And it heavily features drug use and fashion kind of together. And then you have a lot of skinny people on it. And even though there are plus size characters on the show, they have been dramatically underutilized, especially in the past season. They're almost kind of being written off the show entirely. And it's like, okay, so what's, what's happening here, friends? Um, but yeah, I think that that's uh, interesting. What's what's significant though about about David Soretti though is despite the heroin that was found in his system, like I said, he didn't actually die of it. Soretti uh, knew he would die young because he suffered from a rare blood disorder called thalassemia, I think, um, that required bi-monthly blood transfusions. Uh, so in a lot of ways, his work reflected his pain and the urgency uh, and the awkwardness of his existence. Um, and his attraction, his attraction to party culture almost makes sense. Uh, and it could be easy to see how people could crave this like unstructured, frivolous lifestyle after like the eighties, like the girl boss, like power suit movement. And it's, and it's easy to see it now too, because right now we've kind of got this, like that girl era where you have to like plan out an itinerary for your life and eat all your veggies and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's an idea, but it's too extreme. And it's like, people are going to go in the opposite direction. That's why indie sleeves took off. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, we want that, that, unstructured lifestyle the the dragon party girl era so just like i just wanted to mention it because i think everyone should be aware of how these fashion pendulums work and we don't want to fall into that kind of eating disorder uh era again no thanks no no definitely not especially because like i feel like we are just recently like very recently maybe within the last five years maybe starting to see and like we're trying to re-emerge from glorification of eating disorders like finally it took a long yeah. time but like mm-hmm. we're trying to we're we're starting to get into like accepting more um accepting that modeling isn't just someone who's like 100 pounds you know what i mean like we're starting right. to do plus right. size modeling and all of that stuff and i remember like it's funny that you mentioned tumblr because that's that's all that used to be on tumblr mm-hmm. was stuff about eating disorders yeah. and self harm that's yep. it yep and i'm like i think we're finally getting out of there so i'm i'm curious to see what what replaces the bbl well I'm just I'm saying that, like, as as we feel the trend cycle starting over again with this, I'm just telling people, be aware, because we don't want to undo all of the hard work that body positivity and body neutrality has right. done. Fashion is awesome, and I love it so much, but it is not without its problems, and this is a huge problem that if I were yeah. to not talk about it, I'd feel bad, because it's a huge issue. Yeah. Okay, so... No, no, remember, I'm, I'm cl- glad you brought it up. Like, clothes should be worn by you, like they should not be wearing you. You know what I mean? Like you should wear yeah. clothes. The clothes should not wear you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's all I got to say no, about that. I totally agree. Yeah. And I am curious because I know like, I think I, I'm curious. Well, let me hear your thoughts. But I think, I think the nineties, like um, that whole heroin chic thing is also like probably a product of growing up with mothers who grew up in the eighties and started to take like, you know, speed and all of that stuff to, to stay really skinny and so yep. all of us who are daughters of those women are like trying to break that cycle for our daughter. So I'm curious if the fashion does go in the same direction or if we're like not going to let that happen again. Well, what's interesting is that like people our age actually have a, a bigger struggle with weight because moms in the 90s had a lot of disordered eating that wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. considered disordered eating. So a lot of us right. like I have PCOS, which is a, a 
syndrome you get from basically your body doesn't want to lose fat. So it's the same concept. So my body's like holding on to it. Not that my mom had disordered eating, but she she was around in the nineties and she was a big athlete. So like, you know, you never know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting thing to note for sure. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> okay. Well, my number one is not serious, but I'm glad that you brought a serious <laughs> one to the table because what do they say about fashion, fashion and forms? What do they say? I don't remember. Uh, function? Something. something like fashion that. Fashion forms function? I don't know. Yeah. <coughs> Cough break. Sorry. Okay. So my number one, and I just thought that I've always thought these are super fucking weird. Um, ballet boots. I don't think I know those. Okay. Are they like ballet these... flats? No. So okay. they're, um, I'll, I'll, I think I have an, a description, hopefully. Yeah. So it's it's actually a contemporary style of fetish footwear um, that oh, merges the look of a point shoe with a high heel. So oh, I see it now. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So truly, it's like a 90 degree foot angle, like like you're on ballet point shoes, and then mm-hmm. they add a heel to it to make it just slightly easier to walk in, even though it's definitely not. But the idea is to restrict whoever's wearing it, um, to restrict their feet in, in an on point position, um, like those of a ballerina with the aid of that long slender heel. So mm-hmm. these actually originated as um, from Viennese fetish boots, which came out around ni- the 1900s. And this was a common ancestor to ballet boots and shoes and, and the point shoe that we see today. So gotcha. professional, I just, this is just a note, but professional ballerinas, as we know, I mean, spend years and years and years and so many hours of practice to develop the muscle in the calves and the ankles and in even like yeah. the toes so that they can somewhat comfortably use point shoes. It's still not comfortable. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen their feet, but like my goodness. Yeah, fuck no. Yeah. So the restriction and the shape of the ballet boot renders a wearer to to feel extreme pain after even just a few minutes. So they're usually worn by submissives or masochists um, that are under controlled circumstances. So even when you're not standing, um, you get these cramps and it's it's super painful. So they've become really popular in fetish wear, even though they originated in Vienna in the 1900s, which I thought was interesting. Um couple of things of note in pop culture. So Christina Aguilera actually wore ballet boots on the cover of her Not Myself Tonight promo in 2010. Mm-hmm. But she's laying cool. down. So. Uh, yeah. And I then the closest too. thing. Yeah, me too. The closest thing that I can um, compare. Have you seen or do you remember the Lady Gaga armadillo shoes? I was just about to say, you mean the crab <laughs> shoes designed by Alexander McQueen? Yes, Lady the McQueen. Yes, the McQueen yes. shoes. So those are pretty much like the the most common, I guess, like like today's example that I can mm-hmm. think of outside of fetish wear. But yeah. they, they just look so uncomfortable. Like they actually make me feel uncomfortable. I cannot imagine wearing them. So it's, right. it's just interesting. It's interesting they made their way but, into BDSM culture. It is true. But like Gaga said, walk, walk, fashion, baby. Work that shit looks crazy. <laughs> I think it's something like that. And yes. I respect and I fear it, you know? And she was right. So I, <laughs> She was right. I, exactly. And I love Alexander McQueen. My mom really got me into him because he was her favorite designer. And RIP mm-hmm. to a real one. What a fantastic, yeah. like, creative mind we have lost. Um, but he he always incorporated elements of like, of like fetish wear into his work. He was like yeah. the first person to take this like grungy kind of street aesthetic or like, you know, underground cultures and make it high fashion. Like he was so mm-hmm. inventive. And if you haven't looked up any of his stuff, like, Oh my fucking God, do it. They had a Met Gala um, on him a few years back. Um, and it was really cool. Like all of the stuff that he does, ugh, 
I just, I would, I would kill to be able to talk to him for 30 minutes. I would kill. Would you ever, would you wear the crab shoes? Um, I would, if I had a place to wear them, but who the fuck's gonna, like, what party am I gonna attend? (laughs) Like, you know? I don't know. If I had, as long as I can show up in my Marie Antoinette wig, then we can go to the same party and we'll just look really crazy. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. If I could wear anything I wanted without being judged, absolutely. Like Marie Antoinette gown, full on Gaga shoes, I would. Like I told you, the Bad Romance music video changed my life and those shoes had a lot to do with it. It had a lot to do with it. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, I think that's like a really fun note to end on. I think that was a really great list from you. Loved it. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. If, if you're yeah. so lost about what a ballet boot is, think of Patrick Starr and SpongeBob when he's dancing in the fish nets. It reminds me <gasps> of that. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Fetish wear is always fun because it's low key always in style. Leather is a classic material. Um, yes. And, you know, you can't really go wrong with it, but, you know, use yeah. it sparingly, friends sparingly that's right that's right um so i think we're gonna end on that tens we love you i know this was a longer one but you know we kept it to like an hour and a half ish so you're welcome that's fine you're welcome love you so much we love you next week bye bye it has been so lovely having you in for our little tete-a-tete if you have any further tittle-tattles or salacious salutations you may contact us on the world wide web at tensontenspodcast.com or you may follow the ladies on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at tensontenspodcast that's 10s-o-n-1-0-s-podcast or via email at tensontenspodcast at gmail.com Until next time, ta-ta and toodle-doo!